Welcome to the Ed Epley Experience. 20 minutes that simplifies the complex job of managing and leading people and inspires you to take action on what you probably already know to build and sustain a smart and healthy business. Here's your host, Ed Epley, to introduce this week's guest and business leader. Welcome to the Ed Epley Experience, the podcast designed to simplify the complex job of managing and leading people. Our goal on every podcast is to share with you at least one proven business practice that will help you build a more sustainable, profitable, and purpose-driven company. He's a friend. He's a very good friend. He's extremely disciplined, as much as anybody we've ever had on the podcast. He's a developer of talent. In fact, he's become, I'd say he's become really focused on that at this point in his career. And he's hyper competitive. Do not compete with him if you're not ready to have somebody give you a a real battle. His name, Bill McBrayer Jr. Jr. And Bill and I have known each other for well over 30 years, right, Bill? Yeah, it's been a long time. You've known me since a long time, family, friend and everything. So thanks for having me, Ed. I appreciate the introduction. You're very welcome. We'll we'll talk more about the way we got connected in, in a little later. But tell the audience about Fairborn Equipment, your company. What what do you do and how did you get into that business? Yeah, thank you. Yeah, uh, Fairborn Equipment Company, we're a sales, service and installation company of commercial loading docks and commercial doors. It was pretty interesting. I kind of I moved to Cincinnati when I was out of college. Didn't really know anybody except my parents and my my brothers were there and had the opportunity to work for some small businesses and got in the material handling industry and uh, got exposed to loading dock equipment and had the opportunity to join Fairborn Equipment Company as a salesman when I was about 24 years old, 24 years ago, 25 years ago almost. You know, had the opportunity to start a, a branch for them and been a wild ride for almost 25 years now, to say the least. (laughs) Is it fair to say that when you started the business, you thought of success in business as purely selling? Yes. Success was getting an order every day or as much as you can. I always felt like that when I woke up every day, I was unemployed and I hope that by the end of the day, somebody gave me a job and, and, uh, you know, that, that was success for the day. And as I had enough money to pay my bills at the end of the week, it was a good week. Now to add a little context, I met Bill because of his father, who I actually sold to in a previous life in my earlier days as a manufacturer's rep. And so I got to know Bill senior and then Bill junior and his brothers, Mike and Andy and their mom, Charlotte. And what I know about your mom and dad is they have very strong entrepreneurial tendencies. They've essentially owned their own businesses one way or the other. When when did you start to think of yourself as an entrepreneur? I mean, I'm not sure you thought of yourself as an entrepreneur coming out of college. You may have, but I, I'm wondering if, if there was a point at which you went, yeah, I'm, I'm an entrepreneur. <laughs> uh, you know, that's a good question. Yeah, I thought about that one a little bit. You know, I, I would tell you that, you know, growing up, probably the one thing that I always saw from my mom and dad was they were very hard workers, always worked hard every day trying to provide for their family, which I think gave me a, a foundation to when I got out of school of what to t- try to aspire to. And, you know, along the way, they always talked about not being afraid to take risks. And and when the opportunity presented itself, you, you just have to be ready. And, and I always kind of took that to heart. And was always looking for the opportunity to figure out how to have 
my own thing. And this was a great start uh, working for Fairborn Equipment Company as a, you know, they basically gave me a handful of catalogs and I was in the unfinished part of my condo and said, call us if you get an order. And, and that's really <laughs> how I started. So those guys, you know, mom and dad and, and, and my family, it's always been something we've talked about, uh, never being afraid to take a risk. And I think that's what's led me down this path. Well, you've certainly done it well. In fact, probably better than most, because one of the things you've made happen in the last six, seven years is this company has gone from 30 employees to probably close to 100 now, right? I mean, you've got a bunch of people compared to what you had five, six, seven years ago. What's the most different in your job with a company this size? Yeah. I mean, every stage of the business along the way has been um, just always a challenge, you know, challenging, right? And they've all been different. You know, as after I started selling for the business, um, I had the opportunity to start a service company, if you will, and buy out the sales company um, in the Midwest. That was about the year 2000. Actually, I bought my first service truck and and going from myself to having a couple employees to up to be between 20 and 25 over seven years was a tremendous amount of, of growth at that time, too. And then. When we got together around 2013, the business had gone through the recession of 2009. A friend and a business acquaintance, an industry acquaintance, and a friend joined the business around 2010. And I'd had a a plan to try to build a business that was a scalable model, something that that could replace me someday. Right. Because before that, you know, I was a significant amount of the business driving revenue and running the day-to-day operations. And it was a lot of work. (laughs) And then learning how to put that platform together that was a scalable model. Um, It took a lot of really good people and it's, it's changed significantly over the years. Well, but but if I think about when you were 30 people, was, was it that you were more into the, the day-to-day work and today you're more, Yes. Looking over the horizon and stuff like that. What, that's, I'm trying to get a sense of how your day is spent now versus how your day might have been spent, you know, five years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Back then when it was about 30 to, to 40 people, I think my name was in four or five boxes on an org chart of different duties that I had to do in the business. And today, you know, I really focus on the growth of the business and improving the business, which is really about helping our people develop and, and become leaders in the organization. I'm just going to tell a tell a little tale out of I hope you don't mind that I'm going to share this. Bill is actually speaking to us from Florida today and his business is in the the greater Cincinnati area. And so your ability to be away from the business and have it still run is is some indication of what you've made happen, isn't it Bill? I mean, I'm not saying you you work in the business, but but you yeah. don't have to be there for the business to operate. Well, we have a lot of really good people and they yeah. really work hard every day and, and learning how to build a business that, you know, is independent. It's bigger than just one person now. And and that's that's just really a phenomenal thing to, to have happen to your company. Yeah. And you've worked really hard to make that happen. Bill is probably unique of all of the people I've had on the podcast in his ability to implement improvements that he thinks are are important for the business. So one of the one of the unique qualities or characteristics of him is when he identifies something that he thinks would improve the business, it doesn't take him 6 months to get that implemented. It's more like 6 days. And <laughs> um 
there are times disruptions to the company because he forces it to happen as quick as it does. I think he's uh, you're more patient today than you used to be, though, right? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> you know, I, I would say, you know, as as we've gone through these changes, significant changes, say, over the last 10 years, right? The business is, is the DNA of the business is it's pretty nimble. We change and we'll we'll shake things up if we think it's going to make us better. And, and that really paid us dividends here in the last six months with this pandemic. Uh, we were able to just be nimble and move quickly and adjust the business and, and still be able to service our customers every day. And, and I think that's just part of who we are. Has the pandemic either helped your business or helped the way you run the business? Are there things and changes you've made about the way you operate because of the pandemic that you think after post, you know, pandemic that you will continue to do that because it's actually, you've, you've, you've gotten better because of it. Yeah, I would say, you know, the use of Zoom or, you know, virtual meetings and keeping the company connected because we have, you know, the the five locations that we, we do business in and people are remote. Trying to get to all those locations has been pretty tough. So for us, the pandemic actually forced us to move even faster to use more of a, a virtual platform in order to stay connected. And so I think that's something that we'll always continue to do okay. and kind of got us away from some of our old way thinking that you had to be face to face to have a productive meeting. Now, your people for the audience's benefit. So there's a sale of a dock leveler, which goes between the loading dock and the tractor trailer uh, that brings the, the goods to the dock or, or that are going to take them away. So this device basically creates a platform that lets a lift truck go in and out of the warehouse and into the truck. And then there's also the doors and the seals that go around those doors that that they are responsible for. So there's the sale of those, mm-hmm. there's the installation of those, and then there's the servicing of those. Yeah. Essentially, your product is fairly essential if we think about it to the transport of goods and the and the doing of commerce. Correct. Yeah, we were considered thankfully an essential business to help keep companies open, whether it was a grocery store or a distribution center to make sure they had the flow of products in and out. And for us, it still was pretty scary, you know, when everything started. And and we were very fortunate that that we were deemed uh, to be able to stay open. And um, we do a lot with new construction as well when they build new distribution centers. And those did shut down in some markets, which caused a lot of problems and, and, and hurt our business a little bit. But for the most part, we've been able to weather the downturn and or the, the change, I guess you would say, and uh, we don't know what that really is going to bring over the next year or so, but for now we're we're holding our own. So I'm curious about you know from the sales and installation kind of stuff. That's uh, I'm curious about more about the change in what your service techs when they have to go on site. Do they have to be gowned? Do they? I mean, what's the protocol that they have to go through, and does that really affect their productivity? Does that does that make it harder for them to do their jobs? Well, the dock is usually on the outside of the building. So, I mean, we do have to go in the building and we do have to work on doors inside buildings. So we, we have to wear the proper PPE and make sure that we are sanitized properly. And we're making sure that, you know, our touch points and cleaning touch points along doors and, and things was really a big deal. And yeah, so, I mean, it it's changed the way we do business, but it also is almost forcing us to be a little bit better as well. All right. So not dramatically affecting the ability of your technicians to get their work done, though, in, a, in similar amounts of time? No, not not too much. No. Okay. 
All right. Um, I, I'm curious about how you keep score today compared to, you know, you said you used to look at the checkbook and you used to decide whether you got an order or not. How do you define success today? What's the things that you that you would say are the indicators for you about whether the business is truly making progress and becoming better or not? Yeah, I would say, you know, we we seem to have a pretty good cadence to our organization, um, sitting down at least quarterly with the leaders that we have are developing in the in the business and making sure they're they're making progress. And the more progress they're making, I think the more progress the business is making and and them developing their teams and and really getting some depth within the organization. So so today, I mean, we really are defining success as is how our leaders are feeling and how they're doing and how the company is is um, really developing versus maybe before is, you know, okay, how how many how many orders did we get this month? Those are still very important, don't get me wrong. <laughs> but uh it's really about the people. In terms of success financially, Bill, I, I don't ask this question to many people, but I know you know your financials as well as anybody that I've had on the uh, on the podcast. So I'm curious about, do you think you pay more attention to the P&L or more, more to the balance sheet? Yeah, I think at the end of the day, we're just trying to be healthy, right? And when you go through this kind of growth, I think both are important, but understanding your balance sheet is also important just for your cash flow and the amount of growth you're able to take on at one time because we do have a limited amount of of resources you know small business like relatively small business compared to many businesses out there and we systematically will will grow the business you know as healthy as we can for the people in bill's business unlike a lot of others there's a tremendous amount of cash that gets tied up in orders and that from the time that the product is sold till it's installed and then the cash is actually received back, the working capital that he requires is not insignificant. So it, that's why I was curious about that. If you think about what's next for the business, I'm, I was thinking about you've added some management infrastructure. You've added an HR person and you've got not a full-time CFO, but a, I guess we'd say a almost full-time CFO now. Mm-hmm. Are you at a point now where you feel like you've got most, of, at, at 100 people, you've got most of the significant management parts in the business? Or do you still feel like there's a lot more to that you're going to have to consider? I wouldn't say a lot more, but we have some very talented people. A lot of people have been with us for a long time now, and we seem to have a nice cohesiveness to the team. And so... You know, but we are, you know, when you get to that number of 100 people or 125 or or whatever the number is today, depending on how you look at it, um, it, it's becoming another inflection point in the business, right? And so we have a lot of people, but we're also looking for the next opportunities out there. And the industry that we're in is going through a lot of consolidation and and there's a lot of things happening, not, not really too much different than a lot of other industries. And we're just looking for the right opportunity to, you know, continue to grow if, if that's possible and, and healthy. So you wouldn't you wouldn't be afraid to tackle an acquisition if the right opportunity came along? The right opportunity at the right time, we're always looking for new opportunities. Yeah. If you were to do an acquisition today, what would be the determining factors about whether or not you would, you know, would want to make the 
make the deal happen. Is I, a, a financials aside, I'm thinking more about what are the qualitative things that you would look at to say, does this make sense? Does this does this actually make us stronger if we take the risk to do this versus staying status quo with an acquisition? How how do you think you'd assess that? Yeah, you know, I would say compared to seven to ten years ago really looking for the right cultural fit is is something that we never really thought about back then it was just about growing the business and getting it to a scale and 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 just making it a real business i would say right <laughs> and today i think you know it's got to be the right fit i mean we have a really good group of people and and it's pretty tough to make that team to be honest with you <laughs> and uh, yeah. you know and so you know we're picky about who we we really let in our inner, inner circle and you kind of have to earn it I and mean, we're proud of that so it would it would be whether or not the the talent that comes with this acquisition really would have the capacity to fit in your culture would be maybe not the biggest issue but it would be a significant one is that what you're it saying would, it would be a significant one and and you know we're developing uh we're developing some young talented men and women in our organization. And, and we want to be able to provide more opportunities for them too. So, and when they're ready and, and we're really looking to see, see how that makes the most sense. How far are you from having uh, what you would say is a, a full bench of talent that could fit in if need be at the, to replace any of your key people? Are you at 50% bench strength? Are you at a hundred percent? Where do you think you oh. are in that regard? Oh, I think we still could always have more talent, right? You can always have more talent. But we have some really talented people. We're probably I don't know, that 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 I'd have to really stop and look at that and, and think about that a little bit. But um we know the people that we are developing, we really like them and and they're really good people. I think it would be uh fair to say that your attention to the development of talent has radically altered in the last five years. Mm-hmm. Um, is that because you've seen how important it is to the business? Is that because I told you you should? Is that because you you read it in a book someplace? What precipitated your focus on the development of talent? I think it was really a lot of it was just, you know, having the capacity to be able to do that. And some of these folks that we have have been with us for, you know, 10 and 12 years and, and they've earned it. Just having a chance to be able to really allow them to grow and when they were ready and we were ready. And, you know, sometimes an organization isn't quite ready for, for opportunities for people. And sometimes people aren't ready for the opportunities the organization has to offer them. Right. And yep. so, you know, over the last five years, it's just kind of, it's just kind of worked and it's come together and, and I couldn't be happier with the people that we have. You know, thinking about the folks that are on your leadership team, in particular, uh, Bob and Ben, they actually enjoy developing people too, don't they? They do. Those guys are just fantastic guys. And, and I couldn't be where we are without them. And uh, I think we all have a passion for for really growing the next generation of people. And yep. And now we're trying to coach them on how to develop their next generation of people. And I think that's our job today is, you know, as a leader, you can develop people below you, but your job's not really done until they start developing people below them as well, as far as we're concerned. Produce results and grow people. That's the, that's the two reasons why your job exists. <laughs> All right. Well, we've, we've talked enough about the core business. We ought to talk a little bit about this latest business that you've applied your entrepreneurial skills to. So 
this is uh, if you want to see a change in in Bill's demeanor when you you start talking about brown water when you start talking about bourbon he gets uh, he gets uh, pretty excited so why don't you tell the folks about this this venture into the the space of making bourbon and the McBrayer legacy spirits oh thanks <laughs> it was it was pretty interesting it was about 8 years ago for a couple different reasons, I got lost on the internet and learned that the McBrayer family in Kentucky uh, produced the the most famous brand in the world out of Kentucky for in bourbon and didn't really know the story as a McBrayer and just found it as an opportunity to you know get lost in in some space about your your uh, family history and realize there was some brands out there, old McBrayer and Cedar Brook and William Harris McBrayer and and these were trademarks that had expired and took the opportunity to to re-register those trademarks, not really knowing what to do with them. And um, <laughs> as, <laughs> really, you know, as my dad was retiring, I told him to to get retired and we'd figure this out together. And and we've been having some bourbon made down in Kentucky for us, and uh, it's coming together. And our first release will be in April. And it's just been a it's been a lot of fun and, and it's it's something that you just can't help become very passionate about. Well, and I can remember some of the initial conversations when you you said, hey, I found this looking at the family name and you shared some of the, the information about it. And I mean, but what this was back, what, mid 1860s, 70s, that time period, or was it earlier? Than yeah, that? in the 1870s, they uh, 1873 and 1876 and the World Trade Fairs, one in Vienna, Austria and the, the centennial here in Philadelphia, they had won the gold medal for the best whiskey in the world. And it was just a phenomenal story that I felt the bourbon community needed to, to re rehear. Yeah. And as it's become more and more a reality, uh, there seems to be even more and more interest. So uh, you've been having some interesting conversations with, with some pretty well-known brand names. Yeah. Well, back eight years ago, bourbon was just starting to to resurrect. I guess you would say it was it was started, but not like it is today. And it's such an interesting product because it takes such a long time to produce really good bourbon. But for me, it's a long term fun project, and who knows what can happen from it. <laughs> well, I don't know that we can say the sky's the limit, but it certainly seems to to be taking on a, a lot of momentum and and I know it's been a it's been a fun enterprise for you to to spend time on that. It ties together so many important things in your your family's history with something that the market seems to be really interested in right now. Well, I can tell you when you talk to people and they ask you what you do and you tell them you're in the loading dock and door business, you get a couple of funny looks, you know, and and but now if you just tell them you're in the bourbon business, it's 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 kind of fun. (laughs) Everybody wants to be your friend, don't they? (laughs) I have a lot of taster friends already lined up, right? Yeah. One of the promises we make to our audience is that they're going to hear one one idea that that our guests believe would help them run better businesses, you know, more successful, sustainable businesses. If there's one thing you would give as a piece of, of advice to other business owners, execs, even managers who are listening, Bill, that they can run a better business or a better team, what would it be? Yeah. I mean, there's just so many things, but I would say for us, the cadence, the communication cadence of the organization between your touch base meetings and your tactical meetings. And I think probably most importantly, your, your quarterly offsite strategy meeting for us to me are 
it's just something that's really changed our organization. And, and I think it's probably one of the most important things that we do. You've been really disciplined about implementing that. I know that when you've been forced to abandon that cadence for whatever reason, that it's, it's, it's showed up, hasn't it? You've seen the, the negative effects of not doing it. You do. I mean, just there's just so many things you're going through in the organization for the for the quarter or for that 90 day period. And it helps just keep you keeps you focused and and keeps you on plan to keep moving the business forward incrementally month after month, quarter after quarter, year over year. And when you look back after a few years and you continue to make those incremental improvements, it's pretty amazing how much it can change. Yep. It's been it's been remarkable. If you'd like to know more about Bill, I actually, if you've read my book, let's be clear, uh, Bill's the person that I wrote about in the in the very beginning of the book because of his ability and willingness to change and become a better version of himself and and drive a better business. So you can learn more just about the, his philosophy there. But if people want to get in contact with you, Bill, either because of uh, what you do at Fairborn Equipment or what you do at McBrayer Legacy Spirits, what's the what's the best way for them to reach you? Yeah, sure. So probably the easiest way to reach me for either one of those would be on LinkedIn and it's Bill McBrayer and I'm on LinkedIn and shoot me a note there and that would be the easiest. My work email for Fairborn is McBrayerB at FairbornEquipment.com and and between two of the, both of those platforms, we should be able to get connected. And I can tell anybody that's listening that wants to connect with Bill, he's a He's a gentleman, and you would enjoy any communication you have with him. You've been generous to spend time with us today, Bill. We really appreciate it. And for all of our listeners, make sure you listen to our mini logs that we bring out every Thursday. Every Tuesday, we put out a new podcast. We really appreciate your loyalty and hope you'll be with us as we do our next one soon. With that, we're going to let you get back to your work. I know you're uh, itching to get busy on something, Bill. So thanks for being with us today. Ed, thank you. It's been a lot of fun. Thank you for listening to the Ed Epley Experience. For more information on building a more sustainable, smarter, and healthier business, visit www.theepleygroup.com for resources, tips, and Ed's latest blogs. That's theepleygroup.com. Plus, take a free assessment at theepleygroup.com slash assessment to find out how you measure up as a highly skilled and accomplished manager and where to focus on improving your skills. 